Hi, welcome to the Holy Fuck Podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Roxo, author of Fuck Like a Goddess, creator of Radical Awakenings, transformational coach, and student of life. I'm here to stand with you asking questions about what is sacred and what is profane and the space between. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. I want to tell you about our sponsor today, Beducated. Beducated is an online site that has classes and courses focused on love, sex, intimacy, even lap dancing. And they have a great class called G-Spot Bliss. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can get a free trial on all Beducated courses right now. And I also have a special discount for you if you want to access that class and also the huge library of their courses. Use my link in the show notes and my discount code goddess and you'll receive a payment discount off their yearly pass. Not just for a year, but the discount lasts forever. So use my link in the show notes and the coupon goddess for your permanent discount and have some fun exploring on their site. Okay, let's move on to the episode. Hi, everybody. Today's episode of the Holy Fuck Podcast falls into the spiritual category. It is with Melissa Stengel, one of the CEOs of the Soltara Healing Center in Costa Rica, where I, in 2019, did four ayahuasca journeys. Profound experience, which we talk about here on this podcast. I've been waiting to record this for so long with her, so I'm so excited about it. If you have questions that come up after the podcast hit us up. Um, really, really happy to share this time with Melissa. Hi, everybody. I am super excited today to have Melissa Stengel from the Soltara um, Center in Costa Rica that I went to to engage in a really deep ceremony back in 2019. And um, this podcast, I think we tried to record it all of 2020. <laughs> And there I'm, are many things that we tried to do in 2020. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm sure it's coming at the exact perfect time. So I really, I was kind of thinking about before we gathered, I was like, oh, wow, like that's going to be a really beautiful moment to consider that time and to actually hear where you are, um, what's happened over there in that world and in my life too, since we saw each other. So um, just really happy to connect with you. Thank you so much, Alexandra. It's great to see you and lovely to see you thriving and, and this podcast rocking. So thanks for having me. Yeah, well, so I'd love to just start so that everybody listening knows a little bit about you as a woman, as a practitioner, as um, a business owner, and just a little bit about your journey, how you got to where you are now and um, yeah, what inspired that path. Obviously, when anyone asks me this question, I'm like, okay, which story do I want to tell today? I'm like, which version it feels the most exciting. So you get to choose what version everybody listening, you get to choose what version you tell. Like anytime you introduce yourself, you can choose. Am I going to talk today about, you know, this or that or whatever. So up to you, um, what feels the most nourishing for you to share or enlivening. That's what we want. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, I often kind of joke when people ask me how I got on this path that I really feel like the plants recruited me yeah. because it wasn't something that I ever set out to do. I had no, I was actually like, I was very much in the scientific, logical, um, very Western framework. I was an atheist for most of college after being 
raised Roman Catholic and rebelling against that (laughs) in my later years. And so um, it it really took me by surprise that when I first discovered psychedelics and plant medicine was towards the end of of my senior year in college, actually, um, with a very dear friend who is my one of my spiritual sisters and actually helped start Soltara. So it's all it all comes full Mm -hmm. circle really beautifully. She um, held my first psilocybin ceremony for me, but at the time we didn't know it was a ceremony. We were just on the college green and, um, mm. kind of, it, kind of just opening ourselves up to, to what could happen. But, uh, yeah, so I, I was actually very much on the path of biomedical engineering. I worked in scientific labs for many years. I was studying cancer and I was looking to, my original goal was to help cure cancer just to be a part of that solution and potentially get anyone in your family that had cancer or I'm curious where that came from. Yeah. So my grandmother, it's close to my heart. My grandmother died from lung cancer and there are many smokers in my family. And so I was actually studying lung cancer. I started studying that. And then I moved into brain cancer, um, later on, which thankfully no one in my family had, but it was Mm -hmm. a really, um, really interesting topic for me of, you know, what goes wrong, what goes wrong in in illness and how can we help fix it? And my initial thought was tinker with the biological levers and see what mechanistic things we can move around to, um, to heal this, this illness and disease. Um, But when I discovered plant medicine, a new world kind of opened up and it was very much more holistic and looking at different ways of healing and, and the way that healing is so interconnected. And so there was a seed planted then. Um, I was still on track to do a very corporate job, but I ended up being on Reddit mm-hmm. <laughs> of all places and finding myself in a forum about ayahuasca where a an AMA and Ask Me Anything popped up from Dan Cleland, who I didn't know at the time, but who's now my business partner at Soltara. Um, was posting an AMA about taking people into the jungle to work with Shipibo healers um, with ayahuasca. And it was June solstice, 2013. Um, And this was a very perfect time for me because I was just graduating college and I was about to start this corporate job that I knew I I knew I was going to hate, but I had to do it anyway. And uh, I really just wanted something to help me ease into this next chapter. Mm -hmm. And how did you get yourself on that Reddit thread? I'm like, how, what were you just like kind of one thread to another? Like how did you find that one? To be honest, it's so funny you asked that Alexandra, because I don't know, like this was, this I think was the moment of divine intervention uh, because I I was kind of following some psychedelic threads. I must've somehow started following our ayahuasca, like the subreddit, but I, I don't know. I don't remember like being, intentionally interested in it. Um, so yeah, it just popped up and I was like, this is interesting. And the timing works out and he answered all my questions and I got really good vibe. And I was like, maybe I'll do this. Wait, Um, so you're, so you're in school studying cancer, like, you know, you have maybe one mushroom ceremony, like, which is awesome. And then all of a sudden though, this desire comes out, comes out (laughs) of nowhere to go to the jungle in Peru. Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was like, I was looking for something kind of 
outside okay. of my normal box to for do you, for you and for your own healing. Was there something inside of you that was like kind of driving whether you knew it or not? Or was it more like, oh, I'm studying, you know, the uh, healing and, and how to help people. And so this I'm going to go as an anthropologist and, you know, or, a, you know, social whatever sociologist to this place. So is it kind of. Yeah, this is why this is why I say that the plants recruited me because I really didn't have like that sophisticated of an intention. I just knew that <laughs> I knew that I I knew that I was kind of feeling like what I was about to do was not really my purpose. And I okay. knew that I knew that it was going to be hard and that I wasn't going to like it. And it was going to feel like I was a cog in the wheel. And this was like the whole college. I was at university of Pennsylvania, very, very focused on career and, you know, finances and sort of that path. Um, because I was just drowning in student debt. Um, it was like almost $200,000. Right. So it was like, I had no choice. I had to take a corporate job that offered me the most money so that I could start paying this off. And, um, what kind of corporate job is, would that be like, just so we, I have no reference point for that. Yeah. So it was the, it was actually a management development program for an industrial supply company. (laughs) Like, how, like, how do you get from studying cancer to that? Like you couldn't ask for it to be like more boring sounding. Um, but I, I had some other offers, but they weren't enough money. And this was immediately right off the bat offering a college graduate, like yeah. a pretty significant, you know, with benefits, like a six figure salary out yeah. of college. Right. Got and it, this it, was it. their, this was their plan. They would hire um, and it's, it's, it's a great plan. Like I learned so much from that company and I'm really grateful because it was a privately owned company. They treated their customers well, they treated their employees well. Um, but it was like myself as a young person, like literally 22 managing a department of people who had been there for 20, 30, 40 years, like, oh, like wow. old, generally older people, like factory workers and kind of, um, you know, selling industrial supplies. So yeah, just small packing and product help and all these things. And so that was really interesting for me because I was like, okay, I'm going to learn how to manage well, because you, you can't just like go into managing older people and not <laughs> expect to learn a lot. Right. Right. From right, that. right. And be like a so, young college kind of like, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it was, it was an interesting environment. Um, and it was kind of toxic from the management side of things because it was a bunch of people who, who really thought that they knew everything trying to like lord over people who actually knew everything about what yeah. they were doing. Right. Yeah. And so for me, like it really, it solidified my management style of I'm here to serve you. I'm here to mm. support you. Mm. I'm here to make your job easier. How do I help? Yeah. Um, let me learn. Right. And so it was good, but I, I but really then you're did read it and you want to go to prove. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, let me just do something that will like orient me in a positive mindset towards this. Were you um, going to do it like as like a vacation or in between school and the job? Yeah. In between school and okay. the job. Cool. So it was, right. it was weirdly perfect timing. And it was the only trip that um, fit the description. And it was, and it was Dan Cleland who had just started out doing these tours, um, like outside of family and friends. So my partner at the time was like, you're going to go do drugs in the jungle with some guy you met on Reddit. Like oh my God. <laughs> we looked, we looked him up his like, his address was like a house in Canada. We were like, who is this person? And I was like, I don't know. I just have a really good feeling about this. And I swear to you, Alexander, that was the first time I ever followed my intuition and oh, didn't just wow. do something because I thought I should. I was like, I have a good feeling about this. Wow. It was tangential to my whole life because I went on that trip. I said, look, I'm going. And if you're so nervous, like come with me. So my partner came with me 
And we had an amazing experience. It was full of Peruvian adventures. We got, our bus got stuck in the mud and we had to take a boat, um, like handled by like a 13 year old, just like found this little kid, like to get us to the center for the ceremony that night. It was like totally crazy, but like really, really um, exactly the experience I needed at the time. And I told Dan, I was like, look, I have to go take this job, but let's keep in touch because I love what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, so I did, I went and took the job. And a year later, he was building a center in Peru. So that was an inflection point for him too, because he really felt like based on that trip, he was like, wow, I, I believe in this. I want to do this full time. Like, let me try and like put more effort into this. And so over the next year he did, he did more trips and then he built a center in 2014. And uh, in 2015, he was expanding and looking for an operations manager, which is what I had been doing for the last two years and Mm. really wanted to get out of that particular environment. And um, it was one of those moments where I was looking at other jobs. I was like, I just need to get out. I was, you know, ready to leave the relationship that I was in and leave the place I was in. And I was applying to other jobs and I was really praying (laughs) for a big change. I was like, I need a big change. And this email comes through you know, Dan saying, this is what we need. And it was the fastest cover letter I've ever written in my life. (laughs) Wow. I'm so glad that you went into that in depth because I feel like for anyone listening, it's like, there's just different angles to this conversation that are, that feel important. One is that you were a woman on one track with your life and that you heard the like deep soul, soul call to go in a direction that was seemingly kind of crazy. And then actually it was not even like, you know, sounds like it's not like you were like, Oh, I'm on some spiritual path. I'm looking to heal my soul. Da, da, da. Like, like that you said, like this path was calling to you. So I just feel like it's important for us to, to kind of hear that. And also that like, whether the path is yoga or ayahuasca or, um, you know, whatever the spiritual path may be, or they're intertwining or whatever. Um, it's like, it's just, it's, it's not linear. And when it calls, it calls. And, um, I think there's so many people that are called to this particular path and that you've probably sat with a lot of them in ceremony. And I do think that heeding that call takes courage. So I just, on the life side and the career side, and also on the spiritual side, I love hearing uh, that story. And just, I mean, I know there's so much more to it, but well, no, I think you, and you really touched on a, a beautiful point too, is that like the starting point can be anywhere. Like yeah. it doesn't have to be that you're, you know, really committed and give up your life for a long time and go to an ashram and like, you know, it's like, you can actually have a starting point be from wherever you are in yeah. your life. If it's like, if you're ready for it yeah. and you know, you kind of open your, open yourself up to the possibility, um, you'd be amazed at, you know, how much can change and so quickly, you know, yeah. and it doesn't have to be this like extremely, you can start anywhere. So I think that's, that's beautiful. What, you know, yeah. And so from, from you moved to Peru then. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was like, all right, if you can pay me, it was like the, it was like a thousand a month. Right. But at that time I was like, I'll do anything. Like get me out of this life. Um, and you know, if you can pay me, I will learn Spanish. I will like, lovingly end my relationship which needed to end and I will move to Peru and um yeah it was a it was a just tossed into the fire sort of sort of thing and um I'm so grateful for it but I remember the transition was really really 
difficult. We didn't have electricity down there. We had like a generator that ran like a couple hours a night and wow. you know, the bugs were, were insane. Like I was eaten alive for many, many months. And, um, there's like, there's just like a whole, it was a huge transition for myself that I, you know, I wasn't really prepared for. Um, but taught, taught me a lot of great lessons. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I know you could probably write a book about that whole chapter of your life. Um, but from there, you guys decided to open up the center in Costa Rica. Yeah. So we, we worked for a couple years, um, down in Peru until about 2017. And then Dan ended up, um, actually selling part of the center to another uh, person so that he could pursue some other projects. Um, and he actually had started his whole ecotourism career in Costa Rica. He always loved the country. And um, towards the end of 2017, I was starting to feel like ready to kind of do things a little bit differently than the way that it was being run down you mean there. No, no, no power in the jungle and no telephone. And <laughs> <laughs> there was certainly a part of me that was like, I'm ready for like a couch and like Netflix, you know, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> just yeah. a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's, it's hard living down there. And I, I, I think it was such an important part of the journey. And at the same time, I'm, I'm grateful to kind of have found a happy medium with this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was a lot that I felt like uh, after having worked with the healers and worked in that community and just also understood a little bit more about what was needed by the people who were coming through the center as pasajeros, as guests, um, what I really felt was there needed to be more of a focus on integration. Um, mm -hmm supporting people after the retreat, right? This is like, it's now a huge topic, which I'm so happy about, uh, but it wasn't really talked about that much back then. And um, I really felt like we weren't being as supportive of, as we could have been. Mm. Um, and in addition, there was also the, the idea of medicine stacking, which is working with multiple consciousness altering medicines and traditions within the same retreat space, um, mm. feeling so aligned for me anymore. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, really wanting to just focus, go deep with one medicine, one tradition, one relationship, um, was something that we felt very strongly about at Sultara. And so having just working with, um, Shipibo healers with ayahuasca only, and, um, mm. and then having this integration support where we worked with clinical psychologists who had plant medicine experience to help us yeah. develop a program, which we're actually in the process of revamping entirely right now, which I'm oh, wow. super excited about. And did you feel like when you went to Peru the first time and you sat in your first ceremony, did you feel like some sort of magical connection with that particular plant where you like, uh, you know how people meet a guru and you hear about like, they like met the guru and they like the whole room spun and they have this moment of knowing of like, Oh my God, I just met my guru or, mm -hmm. you know, you same thing maybe could happen with love. Did you have that moment with ayahuasca where you're like, Oh, I'm going to devote a lot of my life to this teacher in a sense. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I was kind of thinking about this because, um, I know that like, there was kind of a question when, when talking about doing this podcast of like, did you have like one big peak transformational moment? Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, I, I honestly, it was like a much more, it was like the first experience was like a little door cracking open just a little bit. And I was like, oh, wow. I've never felt so much gratitude for the people in my life 
before. I've never felt like so like connected to my own sense of, of love. Um, it wasn't like hugely transformational, but I will always remember that moment, but that felt more like a door cracking open. And then it was like slowly over time, it just opened more and more until I was completely like open to the idea that one, I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) And so to think that I do is, or that anyone does really, um, you know, is, is, is interesting because how can we? <laughs> um, and, and it was like this, this really slow, long process for me. And it was almost like the plants kind of knew that this was going to be a longer process because, um, you know, some people come and work with ayahuasca and they get their whole life figured out in like three or four ceremonies and that's it. And that's all they need. And they're like, yep, I know what I got to do. Or maybe they'll come back in a couple of years and like check in yeah. again, you know, but that's all they need. And for me, it was like, you're going to take some work. <laughs> like We first got to dismantle and unlearn. And, you know, you're, you've got a very strong mindset, you know, that wow. we need to like dismantle slowly over time and kind of titrate this, um, titrate spirituality. And so that, that really was the process for me. Wow. And so from that space of growing up Catholic and then becoming atheist, what ended up being your next kind of spiritual orientation after that, after mama Aya started to (laughs) massage you and kind of open you and however, you know, the healers and the plant did it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's something that it's hard for me to like fully form into words. Um, I had this very strong connotation against the idea of God, because I was so indoctrinated as to exactly what that was as a Mm -hmm. kid, um, which was, which felt for me very limiting and like misogynistic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I I really like railed against the idea that, that God was real. Um, And so I really preferred to, you know, I'm more open to that now. And I understand when people say God, it's really a reflection of what they believe God is for them. You know, um, but for me, it, it feels like there is some sort of um, there's divinity, there's divinity, there's an energetic field, um, you know, people can be psychic, our intuition is, you know, our ability to tap into the energetic field. Um, we don't know how energy works, but energy is real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like to think that it's not, you know, I really feel like there's there's different like lenses that people put on uh, like grids overlaying reality, but there is a fundamental um, truth that I think spirituality and particularly when it comes to understanding that plants are beings, plants have consciousness, nature mm-hmm. has consciousness. There's different mm-hmm. layers of consciousness and we're tapped into different ones in different ways. Like I really feel like that's for me, that's felt very true. And um, you know, I, didn't believe in spirits. And then I met a spirit <laughs> and now I believe in spirits. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that because you don't really fit into the stereotype of what you would imagine. I mean, I'm looking at um, Melissa and I've met her. I've spent time with her in person, but you don't fit into the stereotype of like, oh my God, like I went and lived in Peru and now I'm wearing like the jewelry and the outfit. <laughs> and now I run an ayahuasca center in Costa Rica and I'm like, <laughs> got the whole vibe. And like, I'm like, where's her hat? Where's her, you know, colorful outfit? Where's her 
you know, kind of um, get up. But what I love is that you don't have that. Like you're still <laughs> you and you just, your, your life is devoted to this. And would you call it a practice or would you call it like, what would you call it that you, you know, you're devoted to? And yeah, I, I kind of think of it as a path, I, a path. I would say okay. for sure. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely still uh, like, it's, it's an interesting thing because I'm all for expression. And I think that, you know, it's beautiful to witness people really, um, fully expressing themselves in whatever way they feel comfortable doing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have, I have been, I have tended to be a little bit more reserved and, you know, for me, this is just like, that's not really where my focus is. You know, my focus is trying to, to do the work, um, yeah. like, like physically making sure that I'm the bridge that I want to be, you know, for, for this world and this work and for people to be able to, meet themselves in it. And, you know, I think that's, that's always been my dream is to try and be a bridge between worlds. And so I, I never thought that this would actually happen, but here we yeah. are. <laughs> well, that, that makes sense. It's like, you know, I also see it as like magical people, like who you look at them and you don't quite know, like, Ooh, there's something, there's a sparkle in your eye, but you're not like advertising it all over yourself, <laughs> you know? And like, there's something special to that, I think. And, or something unique in today's world. Um, I think, you know, I lived in LA for six years and the sort of scene that can, um, accumulate or form itself around any path or practice often has such a particular culture, look, feeling, outfits, songs, etc. And um and it and it sort of um tells your mind, oh, these this they're on the same path as me. But the truth is like we don't really know until we feel and we really feel the heart and the truth at the moment. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's interesting that, um, magical humans or yogis or healers or energy workers can be sort of walking amongst us like you and people wouldn't know, you know, like they, <laughs> there's a huge, there's a humility to that too, which I feel is rare. Um, nowadays it's like rare mm -hmm. to feel that humility of like, um, it's not about me and it's not about like me being some big personality that started an ayahuasca center, not to project that onto you. Maybe you do think you're like, I mean, maybe <laughs> that's just my experience of, of you is that I don't feel like that. I feel like such a, such a humility, which in today's times can feel rare. Well, I'm a, I'm a middle child. And uh -huh. so I, you know, I've definitely like, I've had my own share of like feeling unseen and, you know, needing to, to excel at something to, you know, feel accepted. Um, and so, you know, I've certainly like worked, worked on those aspects myself as well and recognize, recognize that because, you know, we all want to feel seen, we all want to feel um, accepted and like we belong and, and loved. And, um, there's different expressions of that, you know, and it comes through in um, in different ways. Uh, but one of the things that I feel like is really uh, a gift from me being a middle child is that I was kind of a mediator in a lot of different mm -hmm. scenarios. And, um, what that helped me to do was really see both sides of the situation and really be able to kind of empathize. And so I've got, you know, even, even today I've got like, 
my, you know, younger sibling on the far left and my older sibling on the far right. And of course, in today's world, that comes with all kinds of (laughs) interesting connotations and, you know, really just kind of seeing both worlds, you know, in that way. Um, And, and it's really helped me to meet people where they are. And because right, you're, you're in the middle of the road. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, parents were divorced and I was caught in the middle. So it's just it's yeah. interesting because I think, you know, part of part of healing is being able to just meet people where they are and just, you know, understand that and, and help people to feel seen in that realm. Um, so it's what we all want. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And so why would someone decide to go take ayahuasca? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Such a, such a great question. Um, you know, in, in, I'd say the most modern, um, like context, uh, even the way that, you know, many of the cultures that work with ayahuasca use it for healing. It's also used in other contexts. Um, like what other contexts or, community building. It's a very, okay. it's almost like, um, kind of church, like essentially uh-huh. but bringing yeah. the community together, um, connecting with the spirit world, um, helping to locate objects and find mm-hmm. things kind of more, more shamanic purposes, um, you know, good and bad there's, there's light and shadow to, to all of this. Um, but, uh, in the way that it's mostly, um, worked with at Sultara and, you know, the, the ways that I've worked with it as well, it's either typically it's, it's two categories, um, healing or, or growth or, or both, but for healing, a lot of it is working through a lot of the trauma that Western society has -hmm. created in us. You know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of Westerners or global Northerners coming down to do this work and depression, anxiety, PTSD is a huge one. We have a lot of veterans that come through from war trauma, um, grief, um, chronic stress, chronic fatigue, autoimmune diseases too, because the interesting thing that I think is so, so special about plant medicine and the, the whole holistic framework versus Western allopathic medicine is that it really looks at how the physical body is so interconnected with the emotional and mental bodies. And Mm -hmm. when you have a, oftentimes our bodies are a physical expression of our emotions and our mental state. And so when you're, you know, and I'm preaching to the choir here, I'm sure you know this, but um, it's, it's very much a, when you're, when you've, when you haven't said yes or no enough, that is when you haven't spoken your truth enough, your body will speak it for you. Mm. And so, you know, oftentimes we see that resulting in, you know, people who have it, have undealt with trauma or have, you know, have had their boundaries violated over and over again, um, have autoimmune diseases. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's really their bodies saying like, Hey, like, this is something you need to pay attention to. And so we've seen people with, um, with lupus, with Crohn's, with irritable bowel come through and actually find healing because they get to the emotional root. Oh, this is actually related to my childhood drama. This is related to my relationships, things like that. Um, and that's, what's like just so beautiful and powerful is to be able to realize that we can, we can heal ourselves in this, this way. is just absolutely amazing and not talked about enough in Western yeah. medicine. Um, yeah. so yeah, or, or, or growth is the other aspect. So people trying to find out what's next on their path. Like I, like I was doing, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, open their path, find their purpose, connect deeper to themselves, their communities, their families, things like that. 
Yeah. Do you think those two can be kind of separated? Like somebody can, you know, show up to Sultar and be like, okay, I'm ready to know what the next big creative idea is. But, you know, I've done my grief. I've done my attachment trauma. I've done my mom and dad clearing. <laughs> like, do you think it works like that? Yeah, no, it's it's so funny. Because <laughs> you think you're coming for one thing. And it actually, doesn't for me, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, have you heard people that it actually that works um, well you know what i've what i've found is when people come for like a great example is like if you're looking for your next creative idea um you know maybe that's your intention and then you go to ceremony and you know ayahuasca brings up an image of like the car accident you had five years ago and you're like wait that's not has nothing to do with my you know but you over kind of the course of going deeper into it, you realize that that car, you know, created some trauma, which was actually blocking you from feeling safe in your own body. And then once you felt, you know, once you've kind of been able to process that and let go of that energetic charge that was related to the accident, all of a sudden you feel safe in your body. And when you feel safe in your body, the world seems to kind of open up and you feel inspired all of a sudden. And then like maybe two months later into your integration, you get an idea because your system, your nervous system is settled and feels safe again. Yeah. That's kind of like it, it works in a mysterious way. Yeah, but that's a beautiful way of breaking it down. Um, and, you know, I'm, for for those people that don't know as much about it, like, what is that actual process of it like? Um, I would love to just kind of demystify that for any of my audience that is curious and that has maybe not sat in this beautiful, I'm getting so much sun here. Look. You are. There's like an angelic glow <laughs> following you. Okay. Um, let me just move this little diffuser. Real quick. Yeah, I mean, I can speak to that. So, of course, the process itself, like the inner journey is different and unique to everyone. And it's even different per experience than, you know, um, as it is per person. But the way we work with it at Sultara is um, it's a it's a very ceremonial context and we work with Shipibo healers. So Shipibo, uh, the Shipibo community is from the Peruvian Amazon along the Ucayali River in the in the Peruvian Amazon. And they are considered one of the oldest carriers of this medicine. So they have mm -hmm. a lineage based tradition where you have a, a maestro and an apprentice um, and the knowledge is passed down um, from the maestro to the apprentice, but also through the form of master plant diets. So, you know, in the in the cosmology of, of Shipibo and many indigenous cultures, each um, there, there are different plant teachers. So different plants are are spiritual beings and they impart different types of wisdom. And so mm. really the, the what they believe is really the conduit of the healing. And I, I feel this as well is, is actually the plant spirits that are working through the maestro. Um, they're channeling these plant spirits that they've studied with over many, many years, like, like a medical school. I mean, you, you're, you're dieting with these different plants, which means that you're consuming a little bit of the plant during an apprenticeship path and you're going into isolation and you're having a very strict diet you're cleaning your own energetic vessel so that you can connect with the subtle energies of the plant spirit. And over time, as you, you know, eliminate salt, eliminate fat, eliminate like heavy foods, um, eliminate sexual contact and, you know, external stimulations um, and really just like be this very clear vessel 
for the plants to, to be able to get in contact with those plants. And if you do this with enough dedication, they may gift you with a song, um, mm. which is the Icaro, the healing songs that they sing during ceremony. And so what they believe is during ceremony, the ayahuasca's purpose is actually just to connect again with the plant spirit world um, so that they can channel these these songs that are working through them in the form of these plant spirit doctors. And those songs penetrate the energetic field of the patient's body and correct the sort of energetic knots in, mm -hmm. in their patient's body. And so the songs are really the main conduit of the healing work done. And in the old days, they wouldn't, act, the patients wouldn't actually drink ayahuasca. It would just be the healer to connect with the spirit world. And then the patients would simply receive the song. But nowadays we work with ayahuasca to go a little bit deeper ourselves and connect more deeply ourselves with that world. Um, but it's interesting because as ayahuasca becomes more and more popular, like the focus is so much on the ayahuasca itself. And it's not that that's not a hugely healing master plant teacher because it is, but like that in the, in the Cosmovision, like that's not, that's just a small part of it. It's really yeah. the ceremony and the ritual and setting the sacred space and connecting mm -hmm. to the plant spirits and receiving them. Um, so, you know, the ceremony takes place at night and the healers will open the space by singing to the space itself. Um, and this is, I guess, after the participants have, have gone and drunk some of the medicine. Um, so timeline wise, it's like a little bit after that, there's a period of silence where the medicine kind of settles in and then the healers will open the space with song and then they'll go around individually and sing songs directly to each person, um, based on a little bit of what they, a little bit of their intention and then also what they see energetically. So yeah. um, at the retreats, uh, you might remember you, we have individual consultations with the healers as well. So they can understand a bit about your story, but their focus is mainly the energetic work. And so yeah. we have facilitators who support people processing emotionally um, between ceremonies. Right, 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 right. And the healers are really there to do the energetic work. Yeah, I, I think that it's so interesting. And I've asked a few different, like I, I, not every place or every ceremony has that structure of the healers coming and singing the songs to you directly. And even some friends of mine who have sat in other um, uh, circles of the Shipibo tradition um, haven't experienced that exact thing. And I actually, that was one of the things about Sultara that I thought was so special. I was like, wow, I got all the nights that I sat in ceremony. I got each of the two healers coming and doing a one-on-one -on -one healing with me. And I had already sat in, in other groups, um, doing ayahuasca, but it was more of like someone was playing music at the front and maybe they would come to you if you were needed help. Um, mm -hmm. but mostly you're kind of you know, doing your own work, you're sitting there in the cauldron of all of that rising and you're sort of think, sorting things out on your own, which you're also doing in any ceremony. But um, I really appreciated that sitting with the master healers and the potency of that was like, I mean, obviously it's hard to put into words, but it's a force field, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> 
think you can really yeah. feel it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can. And I mean, I remember because when they was in front of me and start singing, I would immediately like usually start purging. And it wasn't because <laughs> I didn't like them. It wasn't because I was like, you know, it wasn't a coincidence. It was because they were doing energetic cleaning on me um which it's is actually it's actually a call like they love it when you purge when they sing to you right <laughs> it means it's working <laughs> yeah and I'm I'm really open any type of energetic space I go into or workshop or whatever like I'm like the this perfect student because things work on me <laughs> like you know so like maybe when I was younger it's different but like like historically teachers have enjoyed it when I'm in a space because I also am kind of all in like I, I really if I'm going to participate I really participate um you're ready but, to let it go just I'm ready. ready I'm like but um but yeah but that that particular part of the ceremonies that you all did that particular um way I really found to be profound. And I think when people are choosing a place to sit in ceremony, um, I would just, that would be something that I would consider like, oh, wow, I get to actually sit with someone who's from the culture, um, who has been working with this plant for many, many years, probably generations, right? Um, and has also had the the trainings we'll say with the other plants because i've been in ceremonies where people are leading it and they haven't done they don't have any of the other plant allies kind of in the space um mm -hmm. and i think talking to you know my my audience here and like it's kind of like if you're looking at it from a yogic perspective it's like you can do a, like a sadhana or a 40-day chant to a particular god or goddess and you sort of enter into devotional relationship with them maybe you do that over years and years and years and a little bit of that spirit starts to sort of leak through you and we talked about this on my podcast with Gabby Herstick and it's like you're 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 kind of asking to enter into the field of consciousness of that particular deity right you're not just like they're not like an outside force that you're sort of just bowing to in that sort of you know, dualistic kind of Christian way, but it's more of like, you're sort of asking to be granted in permission to enter their field of mm. expertise, of wisdom, of radiance, of love, of whatever it is. And the way that I see the plants is kind of similar. It's like, it's like, you know, somebody may go to uh, the 30 day Vipassana and sit and like really be in like training the mind from, you know, Goyenka, the, the creator of that. Um, or someone may go to the jungle and sit with a particular plant in their hut and their, you know, space and fast and listen to messages and feel that plant and kind of ask for its wisdom and um, pray and empty oneself to it. It's a very, feels very similar to like a yogic um, sadhana or a ritual that one might do in a more like magical or hermetic or, you know, different traditions mm -hmm. um, that are all looking toward similar things, right? Like yeah. just in different ways. Exactly. I think that's, you really touched on the point of, you know, there is this this monistic approach rather than a dualistic approach and a lot of, and, and this, this animistic approach as well to looking at the world that, you know, everything is, is alive. Everything has a consciousness and everything is, is connected and it's all coming from the same source. And so really it's just about removing the barriers that we've created in this dualistic world 
um, to really connect with that, that truth and be able to tap into that and work from that place of, of understanding that deep connection, you know, to our, to that vibration. And, um, you know, the healers that we, I mean, it's, it's years and years and years, decades of working in this space, um, you know, like highly trained spiritual surgeons. (laughs) Yeah. What it feels like. That's what I, when I came back from Soltara, I was like, I had a really deep soul surgery and I had sat in, um, ceremonies off and on since I was 28, but I had, I'd experienced various states of deep transformation and, um, bliss and union with the divine and, uh, deep release and healing by emotional release. And, um, but I had never experienced, Oh, I was like, Oh shit, this is actually completely different. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like the one that the analogy that came to my mind was like, was an alcohol analogy, like a fine wine, but I'm not sure that's the right analogy, but, um, you know, when something is like, there are many different versions of of the same experience or, or the something called the same thing, right. Just because something is called sitting in an ayahuasca ceremony does not mean that it's going to be the same caliber of spiritual experience or of healing. And I think I really felt that when I came to Soltara because I was like, Oh, I've sat with some really great humans with this medicine, but I've never sat with um, people that grew up uh, learning this and they're masters in this. Um, Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely something that we encourage people to think about when they are thinking about, you know, working with the space and, you know, you're right. And, and even, you know, working within, the Shipibo tradition, it's like every single healer is going to have their own way of yeah. working with the medicine, you know? So it's like, it's also something that, you know, we try to, to share a little bit about, like, it's, it's, it's not like one monochromatic culture, even, you know, you can, right. you could even ask the same healer, like the same question five different times, and they'll probably give you five different answers. Like, you know, this is, this is all like a very like evolving and learning and growing space. And there's so many different ways of working with it, even within one culture. Um, mm-hmm. And so not all Shipibo healers will sing individually to each person, you know, the healers yeah. that we work with, we've, we've worked with them and like, we really, Um, it's a very collaborative relationship and we've felt together collectively, like this is the best way that we can serve, um, the people that, you know, we're working with. And so you'll find the similar structure throughout each retreat, but that's like an agreed upon structure that isn't always the case for, you know, if you go to, um, a healer's home in the jungle, like they might not do it that way. So, um, but yeah, you definitely want to know, you know, what is their experience working with the medicine? Who did they train with? How many years? How many dietas? If it's a um, Shipibo or Mestizo tradition, dietas is the, the number of plants that they've worked with and dieted. And, um, you know, who are the facilitators? What's the integration support? What's the preparation? What's the intake process? Um, what's the ratio of group size to facilitators? Um, you know, so really wanting to make sure it's enough support throughout before, during, and after. Um, So yeah, there's, there's many different ways and it's really just about learning to ask the right questions when coming to this. Yeah, I agree. And again, any spiritual tradition or even working with any type of healer or teacher, it's the, it's the same, right? It's learning discernment and um, paying attention to how something feels and then yeah, doing your research and being curious. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's like, 
there's something about like approaching an indigenous path that is very ancient with such reverence and respect and knowing that it's not like a weekend like oh i'm just going to just have this peak life experience like no this is someone's spiritual path or perhaps i'm not sure do, do they call it a religious path or um not that i know of none of the yeah. people i talked to yeah, yeah so I'm, I'm i'm projecting sort of my idea of a spiritual path but it's actually probably way less of a westernized way of thinking about it like the santo daimi have a very christian base yeah um, and the unio de vegetalic there's some traditions yeah. that kind of blend yeah. the two yeah uh, but yeah. um but approaching any indigenous wisdom you know with really a lot of care and going okay like i how do i sit with this in a really good way and how do i um really honor and respect that this is someone's deep path practice lineage and i did i really felt that at soltara um you know even though i i didn't trek my butt down to peru and sort of you know like make my way through the jungle and, but um <laughs> I really appreciated being able to come someplace where it was like a little closer and yeah, there was, there was power and I could take a shower and that actually, <laughs> that was nice, you know? Um, and yeah. also that I got to sit and, and be in the space with these really incredible masters. Uh, I, you know, all of our, our hearts really started in Peru and our, all of our journeys and, you know, most of the team, myself, Dan, of course, our healers, you know, we all really started this work in Peru. And so um, we really felt like as much as we can to maintain that, that sort of vibe, um, especially when it came to ceremonies, like we pretty much do it the same way as how we did in Peru. Um, but, uh, but being a bit of a bridge and like, it's interesting because Costa Rica itself is like in the bridge between North and South America. And so it is more accessible for people who may not feel, you know, like they can or, or want to go all the way into the Amazon. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's already such an uncomfortable experience. And so, you know, I think to really, <laughs> right. Like, you know, like, and so to, to feel safe, whatever it means for you to feel safe, whether that is like, yeah. I know I can go back to my room and like take a hot oh shower, you know, like that's something that's important um, for you to be like, you can go deep into this work because you're not, you know, totally scared of yeah. jaguars <laughs> prowling yeah. at night. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I think what you said, which is really important is it's really uncomfortable. And the, the truth is like any deep spiritual work is really uncomfortable you know like <laughs> i'm talking work i'm not talking like we're just chanting in bhakti tradition then we're sitting in bliss i'm talking when we're excavating our shadows when we're transforming old patterns that are locked locked in our dna when we're work any of that it is not comfortable whether you're sitting in therapy whether you're you know doing breath work whether you're just in a self-investigation of shadow work as it arises in your life moment to moment yeah if you're <laughs> present to it it is really intense and i think the more conscious i mean i find the more conscious i become the actually the more uncomfortable it is because <laughs> all my senses are turned on to it now so i notice when my own shadows are rising in my life, I can feel them so clearly. It's just like, oh, this shadow of exhaustion, this shadow of inadequacy, the shadow of I'll never get it right. Like I, it's almost like 
I mean, I laughed to, to my partner last week. I was like, see, I don't need to take plant medicine as much anymore because I go into a full process where I like need to just lay on the floor and cry. And it just happens. <laughs> and I, I, and I'm just, I feel like I'm at the, I'm deep in it and deep in the work at that. But I do think it's important to note, especially for people that are like seeking comfort in spiritual transformation, like, Hmm, what's that about? Like, and that if you do enter onto this path, that it is extraordinarily uncomfortable. And with that comes so much, right? Like just like with, with, I imagine running a marathon, imagine those crazy people are getting something out of it, Um, but it's like, but they don't get there by, you know, sort of not bearing the discomfort of the experience. Yeah. You know, it's a great point. And I think that, you know, what I've really found is the most challenging experiences tend to be the most transformational. The experiences where people really do feel like, am I going crazy? Am I dying? Like what's, you know, what's happening as their, their mental constructs or their grip of control that they've held so tightly to their whole life is slipping away. And, you know, what, what is your decision in that moment? And how do you, do you cling tightly to it? Do you resist it? Do you crunch up and, you know, create tension around it? Or do you surrender? Do you soften? Do you trust that this is actually for your highest good? And do you, do you trust that there's something, there's a gift for you on the other side, there's an insight or a wisdom or something that you can take back with you into your life and enact back home? And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, and, and there's, there's a balance, there's a balance of feeling safe and, and there's also, you know, in a very serious way. And then there's also the, when you feel like physically safe, then you are able to let yourself meet your growth edge and sink into that discomfort. Um, And as you kind of get more familiar with that, like you're saying, like it can come up in your life in other ways and you don't necessarily need plant medicine to take you there. You can, you know, that's, that's why we stress integration so much. Like if people came once and never came back, that would be a dream come true because it means they did their homework and they're now meeting themselves honestly and clearly with presence in their lives and dealing with things as they arise and processing them accordingly. Um, and of course it's way easier said than done. And, you know, yeah. it doesn't, doesn't work, didn't work for me. So that's why I'm doing this in my life. But, yeah. um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And like, you know, it's just a door, it's, it's, it's a doorway or it's a path to like seeing where you can go, but like, you still have to walk that path. And oh, yeah. Yeah. One way. So exactly. The discomfort of sitting in a space where your nervous system and your body and your emotions and everything in your mind are operating differently. That is one, you know, level of discomfort, which, you know, will end at a certain time. And I think that, you know, once you, once you get, once you accept that discomfort, those varying levels, my body is an extraordinarily in a lot of pain or discomfort, or my emotions are in a lot of discomfort, or my mind is in a lot of discomfort. You know, once you start to just like, go, okay, like this is part of the experience that these different aspects of my being are going to go up and down. It's so funny. Whenever I talk about deep medicine work, I feel like I have to poop. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I tell him she is with that. us right now. <laughs> I tell him that I'm like, don't, 
no, no, don't talk about that night. Don't talk about that night. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to have to poop. Um, because when I don't know, it's like something in my nervous system relaxes when I consider like being held and or going, yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just, I, I guess my body, it's funny. Cause I don't think it's that my body feels super safe or scared. It's not that, but, um, there is a shift in the nervous system, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, and being um, held in that moment is so important. Totally. Totally. (laughs) But as, as especially Westerners and humans for us to, to be able to bear the discomfort of our emotions, body and mind, kind of like all doing a crazy shimmy at the same time, like that in itself is a big practice. And in my ceremonies, definitely, um, you know, I think because I live in a more open emotional state, my ceremonies are less, um, like I'll have a big cry, but like, that's actually the most comfortable part of the ceremony for me. I'm like, yes, the cry, <laughs> but the, the body stuff is like my, my body will shake and sweat and, and my mind will, um, will loop sometimes and will go into places mm-hmm. that are really difficult to bear or it has in the past and not always. And it's interesting. And I do think that the the potency of Soltara, the medicine and the healers and the situation was, it was like, I was like, what was that medicine I was doing in those other ceremonies? <laughs> like, that jungle like, flavor. <laughs> Cause like, I felt like in the other ceremonies I had done for the, for, for the, like, I guess maybe five years leading up, I would maybe sit twice a year, but that that medicine was um, not nearly as strong, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I had a few moments of, you know, I had more sort of wobbliness in my body, but the, but the sort of spaces that I went to, uh, were just exponentially more, um, wild. <laughs> so Tara. Yeah, and, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, just, just making a comment of that. That's, I feel like that's the, the Peru, the Peru coming through. <laughs> yeah. 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 And when I went to Sultara, I was like, I've been on this solo path healing my heart the last like five years I've dated all these different people, but I'm like, I used to be a person that could, you know, enter into relationship easily. What's going on? Like, am I in this endless healing loop around my heart, my childhood and my attachment wounds and um, I, I, I felt like I had done so much, but I still felt like something was blocked. And so when I came to Sultara, I was like, all right, Alexandra, like we need to just look at anything directly. Cause I felt like everything else in my life was really flowing and like work money and friendships and my spirituality. And, but for some reason I wasn't needing lasting love and, so when I came into those ceremonies, I did the hardest work I've ever done in the ceremony space. And I met my partner, um, I think five months later. Wow. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. And now I mean, I moved to Colorado to live with him. I mean, if that's, you know, this is where I feel like, like this energetics is so powerful and, you know, it's so, it's so, we're so blocked from tapping into that. And it's, it's such a disservice to the full experience of being alive because I've, I've seen it happen. It happened for me and I've seen it happen for so many people who've come through where they've done the healing work and then they open themselves up 
to the possibility of what they want and like the opportunity or the synchronicity or, you know, the right person like just comes into their life and like yeah. so many times over and over again. And to yeah. me, it's like, if that's not, you know, every, everything is so connected and it's just really about tapping into that connectedness, I think. Yeah. And I think for me, I had to face, it may have been a lot of things in my nervous system because I feel like the amount of sort of body stuff that I was feeling and experiencing and, and also that, that like, there must've just been some really deep physiological kind of, if you can imagine like kind of anxious attachment, how that just continues to live. And maybe that repels someone or a nervous system that has a particular frequency that actually the person that you're meant to love is repelled by in a way. It's like, Mm -hmm. maybe it's a little bit of closure tension or stress or fear that just, I I don't know. And I know that in the space, um, it's funny. I'm like feeling stuff moving in my belly talking about this. I was like, stuff's going to move when I talk about this. Beautiful. (laughs) Because it's, it's uh, such a powerful medicine. Um, but yeah, I think that for different people, the blocks are in different places. Like a good friend of mine, his, it's like emotional. Like he goes into ceremony and has the most potent emotional experiences because in, in the day to day, he's a less able to do that, you know? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Accessing those parts that are, that are maybe inaccessible in other ways and really, you know, potentially covered up by, by trauma responses. Exactly. And it's yeah. like, those things are, are intelligent and have protected us in the past, you know, for one situation or another. Um, and like really, really being able to like honor, yeah. honor those responses within ourselves because they were there for a reason and our bodies are so intelligent. Right. And like totally. trying to keep us safe and all yeah. of these things. And so, so much of like where I feel even my own, like my own healing and where I've seen it happen with other people is just first, like having compassion for whatever state you come into this with, because mm-hmm. there's a reason that, you know, your body has, it's helped you to survive exactly. this long, yeah. you know, and like being able to have that compassion first can really open up the system to feel safe to then maybe release this char- discharge and, you know, um, that, that trauma, whatever that was, so that you don't have to respond that way in the future anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's so deep. And look, I can't explain to you how it works or any of it. (laughs) And I, I'm in a phase right now where I just, I'm, I feel like I'm not called to sitting in in direct ceremony right now. And it's funny because people keep asking me like, when are you? And I'm like, you know what? I still feel good. Like, I still feel like there's nothing I need. And then I can connect um, with the medicine through music a lot. Like that's, Mm. I will still connect so deeply with listening to music. My partner always laughs. He's like, at a party if I can't find you you're like off in the corner listening to medicine music <laughs> oh that's amazing <laughs> well that is like part of the medicine right like that's that's what yeah. the healers say it's all about the song actually <laughs> yeah and just yeah leaning into that and feeling that and, and that as a connector point um and I think that there are different phases in our lives where we may be in a healing cycle and then we may rest for a while and be more of in a, in a receiving cycle and a regenerative cycle. And who knows that for me, I'm not sure. Some of my friends are so 
you know, on the path where they sit every year. And I thought that that would be me. Um, and now I'm just feeling like, no, right now I'm sitting in a different kind of a space of yeah. more gentleness with myself. <laughs> I, I completely understand and like honor you for listening to that within yourself, you know, because I, I'm also in that space myself yeah. now. And there was a period when I was in Peru, I was, I was drinking like, um, once or twice a week for a year and a half. That's I mean, it was, so it was, a, it was a lot. Yeah. And I just got this message towards the end of my time there. That was like, I'm not going to give you any more answers. Like you have all of the answers you need to go integrate. You need to get out of this bubble. You need to go and integrate. And like, yeah. so I, I actually left and worked remotely for almost a year. I lived with um, my mom in California for a bit. And the result of that integration was, Soltara with a focus on integration. <laughs> Cause yeah. I was like, I need more tools. I don't know. Like I was like trying to create right. what, you know, right. what I wished I had had. Um, yeah. And, and it was so important, right. It was so important to like get out of the bubble, like let my nervous system also just like settle yeah. and receive, yeah. like you were saying. Um, and, and even now I'm like, I, I'm in a period where I'm not, I'm trying to like minimize any sort of stimulation to my nervous system with any substances whatsoever, because I know that like, that's, what's most supportive for me right now. Exactly. Meeting, meeting things with a full presence right now. Yeah. And I think that kind of blast open, if you are like trying to get out of like really thick, dense beliefs, karma, emotional patterns, physiological patterns, like that blast through, I think can be really um, important. And some people maybe, and we don't, we don't, we won't get into all this today, but I do think different bodies just need different things. Exactly. And so for me, I'm a little sensitive. I'm really sensitive. And like lately, if I take mushrooms or anything, uh, the smallest little bit will take me on a full experience. And I'm like, I think I'm becoming more sensitive. <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah. Um, and just noticing our bodies need things at different times. Um, and I, I think for me, I was like really going and asking that wisdom stream for specific support around love. And I received that. And then, so now I'm like, I'm just receiving the love. Oh, I'm so happy for you. You just, you're, you're glowing. You oh, seem thank so you. happy and vibrant. That's amazing. Thank you. And in a really safe and stable way. Whereas mm. what I was trying to do is like my love relationships were more passionate, tumultuous, chaotic. Um, and that was just a, a mimic of my childhood. And mm. so I actually had to sort of, you know, halt for a while to do the restructuring, um, which was uncomfortable because during that time I was still dating and stuff and I was still attracting chaotic and whatever. Um, and then I knew that last year it was like, I, um, I, even before I went to Soltara, like my friends asked me to go to Burning Man and I said, I can't go because I'm still in this pattern. I mean, they're going to go to Burning Man. I'm going to meet some more of the same pattern or I'm going to stop and I'm not going to put myself in environments where I'm going to be kind of like, um, you know, tempted in that same way. And I'm just going to, wow. you know, keep my, keep, keep my legs crossed, keep my smile, <laughs> just like keep it low key. And I'm going to go to Sultara and I'm going to really watch this pattern leave me. And it's going to be weird. And I don't know if it's going to happen, you know, when it, and how it will happen, but, um, 
but it did. And, and I'm in a relationship now that's like my nervous system feels completely different. It's not chaotic. I mean, my stuff still arises for sure. My sort of like base bottom of my childhood stuff still comes up, but it's now held mm-hmm. um, really beautifully. I just want to say that is so beautiful. And, you know, I'm thinking about just the, the, the power in that awareness that you had, and then the ability to say no to, you know, an experience that so many people would like, how could you say no to burning man? You know, how could you say <laughs> in, in such a, in such a society where it's like, there's so much um, stimulation and, right. you know, this tendency towards like peak experiences and instant gratification and all of these things. And it's like, it's, it can be really hard to say no sometimes, but like, I'm really learning the, the, the joy of missing out actually. Ooh, um, I love that. I and love that. yeah. And it's like, it, it, it's, it's opening up. Like when you're saying no to something, you're saying yes to something else. Exactly. And, Right. And so like, for me, it's like, yeah, I've decided not to travel these holidays because I think my body needs more rest and I want to enter 2022 with spaciousness and grace. And, you know, I mean, saying no to my family and, you know, what would be a really celebratory, probably drug induced (laughs) party, right? Like I would go to and, um, and like, that's hard, but like, I, I know that there are bigger things that are calling me and I know the things that I need to work on. And so I just want to honor that too, because yeah. I know how hard it can be. I used to be a yes man for everything. <laughs> um, and like a yes woman. And, you know, just to, to say that, like, if, if you can really like tune into your intuition and know in your body, like what is right for you. Um, and then look at, look at what comes out of that. Like, yeah. Really, and when you're tired of your own bullshit patterns, like, <laughs> you know, like I was like, I can totally go to Burning Man and fall in love with at least three people, have a dramatic romance that I tell a lot of stories about. I'm like, girl, I've been there, done that so many times over. Like, I do not need to relive that story. And so I think we all get tired of our own bullshit patterns at a certain place and we don't want to deal with it anymore. It could be around not speaking up. It could be around being perfectionist, never being ready to really your work in the world or whatever it is we all have those things and you know it's like we lie to ourselves about them at times and I think for me I was like really like I remember negotiating and going well maybe I could just go to Burning Man and I just thought Alexander don't lie to yourself yeah like if you go you will go hunting for some sexy catches, you know, and um, just don't lie to yourself. Just be honest. And I was really honest with myself. And I was like, okay, yeah, I know myself. I've been, I've been with myself my whole life. So either, I mean, they're going to keep living the same pattern and this same narrative, or I'm going to keep investigating it until it shifts. Mm. And for me, like, I mean, I had also been, gone to India and I've been started studying Tibetan Buddhism and, you know, I'd been on the path for a while, but it was that last year that I got really discerning. I was like, the more I tried to leave the old pattern, the more I was tempted, you know, in a way. Yeah. And, um, 
I was even tempted on my way home from Sultara, but we don't have to get into that. But anyway, <laughs> anyway those old patterns die hard. Sometimes yeah. they, come, they, they, when they're leaving you, they come out kicking. And I, it's not that it's gone altogether in a way. I'm sure, you know, uh, that part of it still exists, but it's funny in the year and a half that I've been with my partner, I have not really I haven't flirted with anyone. I haven't felt, haven't like felt my inner kind of temptress, seductress come online. Like all of that um, was kind of based in that, that anxious um, wanting more kind of craving mm-hmm. energy. And I just, I've been like, wow, who are you? Don't ask questions, Alexandra. Just <laughs> <laughs> I like how your voice got deeper there. <laughs> Sometimes I I tell that to my partner. I'm like, do you know I haven't really flirted with someone in a year and a half? And I say really, because I definitely like maybe I've smiled at one old man in the grocery store or something, (laughs) but like I have not flirted in a year and a half. And I was like, that's really weird for me. I just want you to know that. (laughs) This is a gift. (laughs) So anyway, that's what happened to me when I came back from Soltara. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. I really, yeah, like I think if there's if there's one less, like one big the biggest lesson that ayahuasca has taught me is like, I just, I can't lie to myself anymore. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I mean, like I can try, you know, but I know I'm doing it. And like, there's, there's just an element of like, it was such a mirror for me to see my own self and yeah. my own patterns. And, and then to be able to sort of take an equanimous, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like an equanimity to, to the data that I'm gathering, like not like kind of, you know, I still do it, but like really intentionally trying to remove self-judgment from the data that I gather about my own patterns and things like totally. that. Right. It's like, okay, this, I see what's happening and it's okay. It's here. And this is good data for me to make a decision. And if I make this decision, I will continue enacting these patterns. And I've done that for a long time. And do I want to keep doing that? Or do yeah. I want a different result? Yeah. You know, kind of like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I had, I had a few people that kind of came back into my life right after those ceremonies and, um, and kind of, I felt like, oh my gosh, is this a test? Is this like, why are these people coming back and now they're interested in me? And like, should I trust them? And I had to say no to both of this, those people. And I, so the pattern, it wasn't like it was gone after the ceremony. It's still there, but you're right. The awareness had changed. My yeah. awareness around it changed. And I had greater ability to say no to that, that which wasn't a fit for my true dreams of my heart, which is like a deep partnership yeah. and not kind of a, you know, you know, <laughs> something, something more temporary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that's where your power is, right? Like you can take yeah. your power back. And I think that. that, you know, whether it's a 30 day meditation retreat or whether it's an ayahuasca experience, uh, the awareness, the clarity, the discernment, the perspective shift that we bring back to our lives, to our patterns, to our pain, to our wounding, that is the gift. And then what we do with it is the integration process. And I do think that some things heal in that room, but I do think that the greater healing continues right when you leave. That's when the work comes. That's when everything I say, yes, I say no, I go into collapse, I open, all of this is now, but now I can really see it. I can feel it as it's happening and I have the potential to change it. Exactly. That is, that is so beautiful. And that's the crux of it. And, you know, this healing is, is as good as what you do with it. And, you know, where, 
we're healing family lines, we're healing intergenerational wounds, we're, you know, we're healing not just for ourselves, but for yeah. our communities and our society. And yeah, you know, it's time. It's, it's time. time. <laughs> it's so time. I mean, the amount of internalized shame, rape, sexual abuse, incest, racism, all this stuff that's just been passed down to us, sometimes directly and sometimes indirectly. It really does take a lot of heavy lifting to actually turn towards it and community. So I just want to say before we close that um, I'm so grateful that you guys had me there. And I still really feel that deep gratitude in my heart. Anytime that I speak of my experience at Sultara, and um, I really do recommend it to anyone who is who's maybe you're looking at some kind of patterns or karma in your line that you're like, I actually think I need support with this one. You know, I could really use some deep, masterful support and I'd like to actually turn to it head on and maybe um, in a little bit of a hotter, more um, direct way than kind of just letting it kind of unfold over 20 years. I'd like to actually step into the heat, see it, have be held there um, and face that thing. You know, if you feel that as a possibility for you, I can't say that this will be your path or that it will do what it did for me or for anybody. If you listen to Aubrey Marcus's podcast, he also has been to Sultar and I, I love hearing his stories about there. So, but you know, it's not to say that Anybody will have that exact experience. Your experience will be your own. Um, and you may um, have to walk the path of deciding or maybe a no for you. And you have to feel that in your body. But I do feel like if people are called to the space that, you know, meeting you guys down there is just, uh, it's a really clean, clear space. And I felt really safe and held there. Thank you so much. Alexandra. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for trusting us with your journey. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm so thrilled that it's unfolded for you as it has. And yeah, yeah. For doing the work and sharing the healing with, with your community yeah. you know, as, as you live it out is, is as amazing. I'm I still am. Yeah. So if anybody ends up going, cause you heard this podcast, like, please tell me, cause I want to know. I also want to like I'm not going to be codependent about supporting you and like checking in with you, but I also do, I do want to like, just, um, you know, let Melissa know and maybe she'll be around and can say hi to you. Um, please let us know, you know, like, it's not like some big yoga center where there's hundreds of people and you're like a little nobody. No, there's like a group of like 15, 20, 20, how many people? Yeah. 20 people, yeah, 20 people at a time. So, um, if you do decide to go, uh, just let us know so that we can, you know, send some love in your direction. And for those of you listening, thanks for tuning in today. And thank you so much, Melissa, for taking your time. And I'm glad we finally got to this. Awesome. It'll be coming out, I think, in 2022. So it's like the perfect kind of full circle. Uh, amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. All right, everybody. See you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. For more, 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 follow me on IG at Alexandra Roxo, and you can get on my mailing list where I send poems, practices, rituals, links to upcoming retreats and events, and all kinds of goodies. And if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. Please write us a review, give us a five-star rating, all that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day and see you again very soon.